Welcome to the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Join me, your host, Jeremiah Byron, as I uncover the stories behind the people who make the wonderfully weird and the unexplained their life's work. We love chatting about cryptids and creatures that defy logic, but that won't stop us from having people show up that you might not expect. Check out our website, www.bigfootsocietypodcast.com. It's our base for all things social media, blogs, episodes, and everything else Bigfoot Society. Follow Bigfoot Society on Instagram to keep up to date with the community daily. If you'd like to support us and help us keep the lights on for the cost of less than a cup of coffee per month, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, where for $5 a month, you'll get early access to the podcast before anyone else and exclusive access to our weekly Patreon-only Bigfoot Society After Dark podcast. It's where the week's guest stays on after everyone else leaves and shares their favorite creepier or cryptid story with me and you, the listener, as we're sitting around the campfire at our creepy cryptid summer camp. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society to also see all the shout out, Zoom hangout, merch discounts, and more that you'll have access to as an official Bigfoot Society card carrying member for only $5 a month. A little bit of This American Life and a little bit of In Search Of is what you're about to experience. So sit back, put your headphones on, put your phone in your pocket, and relax with your favorite beverage as I uncover the stories behind your favorite entertainers, researchers, and people you've never heard of in this episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. Today's episode is with my buddy Josh from Instagram, and I just let him go... And we went some places. We talked about the Anakin of the Old Testament. We talked about metaphysics and Bigfoot. We talked about quantum connections. We talked about astral projection and the comedian Sinbad, stick structures, Bigfoot using portals, Bigfoot tales, worldwide variants of hominids, megafauna, and how that ties into the argument for Bigfoot's existence and why there haven't been any Bigfoot bodies. And that's just the, the surface of this episode. It's one of my favorites, so get ready. All right, well, thanks for coming back to another episode of the Bigfoot Society Podcast. I've got uh, Josh with me tonight, and I'm going to go ahead and have Josh introduce himself. Uh, We're kind of acquaintances on Instagram, but I'd love you to go ahead and uh, introduce uh, who you are and... um, I, I can tell that you've got a North American Bigfoot Center shirt on. So it's obviously you're into the squash. So go ahead and uh, let the listeners know all about that too. Sure. Yeah. So my name's Josh. Uh, I'm from Georgia and uh, I've been into Bigfoot since I was like eight years old. I found a uh, library book in my private Christian school library. that was on oh, Bigfoot man. and Loch Ness Monster. And I went, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. nobody told me that this was an option for cool things that you could look into. And so I read it and I went, you know, there's, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. I was kind of iffy on the Loch Ness Monster, but Mm -hmm. after seeing it had images, uh, screenshots of the Patterson Gimlin film and it just awakened this interest in me. And when I was 16, I found the BFRO.net site. This is, you know, back in the nineties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. DSL. And so I just poured, I mean, powered through hundreds of hours of reading every single account I could get my hands on that database and others. And it just amazed me how consistent of a profile of behavior, 
uh, and you know morphology and everything uh, that all these people were reporting. And I, you know, started asking people that I respected, you know, so what's mm -hmm. up with Bigfoot? You know, is this real? And I had so many people just dismiss the idea out of hand. And yep. laugh. But after reading literally hundreds of hours of reports, I went, I just, I, I don't agree. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I just, I, I don't have a view of humanity that allows me to imagine all of these people going through the time and effort to make up incredibly consistent reports yes. just to be lying. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think that's, for me, that's one of the most fascinating things about Bigfoot. I've never seen one. Um, I've been to a couple of places that are here in the Southeast where okay. I've gone looking for them. And I've found a number of stick structures, actually. And we can talk about that. Oh, cool. That. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, for me, the most engaging thing about it is that um, I, I just love thinking about it from the perspective of uh, the psychology behind it. You know, wh why mm. is it that it's a society categorized it with the way that we do? And I'm, you know, you've, you're into That's this. really like, interesting. When did you get into Bigfoot? Um, yeah. So, uh, well, it's kind of, it, I'll, I'll, it's, it's two different things. And I think you'll find one, one of them really interesting. Cause you, you mentioned that you, went to a, uh, you said small private Christian school. That's yeah, where you yeah, found yeah. the book, right? Okay. So I uh, started out probably, I was like around maybe like eight or nine and I was watching uh -huh. In Search Of with uh, right. Nimoy with my dad. Uh -huh. So that was kind of yeah. like, you see the film and you're like, whoa, uh, <laughs> everyone stop. Did you see this? Did you know about this? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, so that kind of, that kind of died out, right? And then, right. So I grew up in New England, and so I was okay. like around all this crazy stuff, but I wasn't into cryptos, cryptozoology right. stuff at that time, so I missed out on a lot. But yeah. then, uh, so I was at a, um, so fast forward, I'm in um, Central Iowa now, right? Right. So I am, uh, um, so I'm at a small religious school, and <laughs> where it's like there's, there's a chapel service every Wednesday, yeah, yeah, and same for me, same for me. I don't know how the, I I need to get the guy on the podcast. So th this guy comes in, who's a really cool dude. I can't think of his name right now, but yeah. um, he is a, he's a, a Christian um, into dinosaurs, but also into cryptozoology. And he right. goes off about, so you're like barely awake as a, a college, like sophomore <laughs> or whatever in the background, you're like, just get me out of here. I want to get through this. Sure. And like, all of a sudden this guy is talking about like, and I went to Papua New Guinea and here's the, the pterodactyls flying around with bioluminescence and everyone's like, huh, really? And then he's like, bioluminescence about, pterodactyls in Papua New Guinea. That's new yes, for me. I gotta yes. But that's really cool because it, it can tie into like cryptids, like the van meter visitor, in Iowa where it's like kind of like a pterodactyl type creature where it was like a light that shot out of its head. I don't know if you heard about that one, but that's no, a really fun one in Iowa. Anyways. So I was, that was for me was kind of like a, you know, like yeah. that, um, that was, that was 15 years ago. So it's been a while. And then yeah. when I get to the point where I'm like, you know, you're kind of like, Oh Yeah. I could totally like I got more and more into it, like finding Bigfoot stuff like that. And then um I was like, oh, I should totally do a podcast. And then I was like, I've got all this extra time now. 
And I actually had wanted to, I kind of started it last year. So I had like the stuff already. And then I had all this extra free time. So I was just like, let's go for it, you know, because of COVID, right? Uh, also, <laughs> the, the, they, they would record the, uh, the chapel services. Uh, this one chapel recording got magically erased from existence. And dug magically. <laughs> um, and, Diane in the front office. Nope. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was like when uh when he got off the stage one of the um the people came up he's like well that was nice thank you okay to <laughs> well, class and i was nice. like oh man like that was actually i really enjoyed it but so i've had kind of a weird like cryptid you know journey and and yeah. that but um yeah um i like the having this podcast because i like to my goal is to get the story behind people that are in the cryptid community that don't really, you don't really get to see that um, the story of the person uh, and you get to also hear about cryptids as well, but it's kind of like, you know, it's at like an NPR, this American life in the cryptozoology community. It's kind of weird, but I enjoy it and it makes for a lot. of good I love that. So, Yeah. I love that. And I totally agree. You know, there's so many people out there that have, incredibly worthwhile stories to hear mm -hmm. you know their stories are worth hearing whether or not they achieve some sort of commercial fame right that's mm -hmm. and we value people whether or not they have a phd or they've got a million subscribers but to me human beings are human beings whether they've you know done something to titillate the world or not and their their stories and their opinions matter now don't get me wrong i've met a i've I ran into a guy who told me that he got abducted by the police and tortured in the basement. And the oh, whole time man. I was talking to him and I was like, I really do believe you've got some trauma and some mental health yeah. problems. So, you know, yeah. I'm not the kind of person that believes everything that they hear, but at the same time, you know, I've had experiences with, I've had supernatural experiences. I've had, okay experiences when I was 18 and oh, I, wow. I was a good little Presbyterian kid who was okay. raised in so church. So that's so, interesting. So Presbyterian church, but like prophetic ex, uh, experiences, you said. That's very interesting. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and again, this is, and I'll go into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. Okay. To me, that's one of the reasons why I take Bigfoot and other supernatural paranormal experiences that people have seriously and I'm open-minded to it mm -hmm. because in reality you know if you uh, people talk about in my community they talk about being a bible believing christian right and if yep. you believe in the bible what you believe in is that we are in an interdimensional multi-millennial intergalactic war and that sure. uh, yeah and that uh demonic angelic beings have created hybrid entities with humans on earth. That's what you believe. Uh, at least to me, that's the only responsible reading of that Genesis passage. And uh, there are people. I was going to say you are alluding to Genesis six, eight, correct? I am. Yeah. And yeah. so I've, I've actually gone in there and I've studied the Hebrew and okay. I actually wrote a paper about the uh, continued lineage of the Anakim in the region oh, wow. of uh, and uh, I handed it into my professor and he read it and he went, yeah, this is really good. I agree. This is, this is great stuff. It never really occurred to me to, to read all of those passages about Goliath mm -hmm. and all of the other giants 
as really kind of a, a pastoral uh, message to the people okay. saying, you know, God is trying to reinforce to them, look, I'm aware of what you're up against and I'm with you. Uh, you are not alone in this cosmic supernatural fight. Uh, and so if you try to diminish the supernaturalness of the passage in order to try to tame what the Bible's saying, you are really kind of trying to take steal the thunder from the force of the passage and you're trying mm. to uh, water down uh, this message of God being with and for his people. So I, I'm not, I'm not trying to do God any favors and, and tell him <laughs> that, uh, it's not as weird as he tells me it is. Um, so it, go ahead, go ahead. Now I was going to say the, to me, the most interesting part of that passage is that when it talks about the sons of God mm -hmm. mating with the daughters of uh, man, that phrase sons of God is Benecha Elohim in the Hebrew, okay. there is no other place anywhere in the Old Testament where that does not obviously and explicitly mean the angels of the heavenly realm. So people who try to smudge that and say the Bible doesn't really talk about angelic hybridization, uh, it, I think it's irresponsible. You know, it's irresponsible. Mm. So, that's my, so that's my metaphysic right there. So. That that is I, I I like it. That's that's some crazy stuff. Um, so let's break it down for. Um, let's say you have a a person that's listening to this and they're like, "Holy mackerel! What is he talking about? I don't even know what Genesis is." And he's talking about this six and the eight and the annex and what's going on. So how would you take something like that and um, uh, how what does that tie into like uh, cryptids or cryptozoology? What do what are you kind of talking about there? Yeah. So for me, one of the reasons why I took that passage really seriously and I mm -hmm. looked into this whole hybridization lineage, because it's not a singular phenomenon. It, it's mm -hmm. talking about a range of time where this general phenomenon was occurring. Okay. Uh, and I find it very interesting that everything from the Epic of Gilgamesh through um, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much every other major world religion uh, that's got... Uh, creation mythos that right. uh, mythos that uh, tie that far back will incorporate things like the flood and human mm -hmm. hybrid, pretty much all of them. Wow! Uh, yeah. You know things like Humbaba in the Epic of Gilgamesh and mm -hmm. uh, you know, Gilgamesh and Enkidu. Enkidu is this hairy man that Gilgamesh runs around with who has superhuman oh, strength. Really? Okay, that's a new. Okay, that's new for me. That's pretty cool though. I like yeah. that. It, and, and so. Obviously, all of these major world religions are pointing backwards to a similar set of phenomena. Um, you know, I believe that Jesus is real and the Bible's worth trusting. And so I, I'm going mm -hmm. to put my piton in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, Ravi Zacharias is a Christian who I really like. He says, if you can make fun of any major world religion, you've missed the boat because they've got something that they got really, really right. And in many ways, probably wow. better than Christianity got right historically. So having a disrespectful attitude towards other sets of creation myths and other world religions is hmm. myopic. And again, that's interesting. Trying to do your religion and do your God a favor that your God doesn't need, right? If you can't 
interact respectfully with the history of all these other things we waste time. So, yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you on that. That's interesting. So for yeah, so the Anakim are the descendants of a specific uh, set of interactions between these angels and humans in the region around uh, basically the Fertile Crescent around you know like Israel. Okay. Uh, Iran and Iraq around Middle there, East. and yep. we've at least right, mm-hmm. and uh, they continue to show up throughout. And these are huge, huge guys—guys guys that are eight, okay. nine feet tall. Oh wow! At, at first, I looked at all that and I went, "Well, you know, Bigfoot's huge, right? So mm-hmm. maybe Bigfoot is a descendant of these guys." Mm. But the more I looked into it, the more I realized I, I really don't think that's what they're talking about. Um, and so I kind of backed up and went, well, how does, how can these guys fit into a paradigm of humanity that the Bible talks about? And for me, really, you kind of have to put that down and step back for a bit and look at just the scientific research that's been going on, especially for the last two decades, where we've been able to extract all this DNA from true. Yep and bones from the Iberian Peninsula around Spain and everything where we've got Homo heidelbergensis and Neanderthalensis uh, DNA. And we've shown hybridization events with, uh, between humans and these other hominids. And oh, wow. I actually reached out to Jeff Meldrum and chatted with him uh, online a little bit about this. Okay. It was, it was great. You know, he, uh, very, uh, he, he's a very conservative guy. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, Mormon, exactly. uh, very religious. Uh, uh yep, you know, I yep. would love to get a conversation with him about the intersection of his religion and his views of science. Oh man. Yeah. That would be great. One that, yeah. You got to get him on and talk to him about that. Right. So I am, uh, so a question for you. Are, so do you have your own podcast then, or like you kind of alluded not, to it? No. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I, I've right now I'm doing a D and D podcast with some friends, but I don't have any. That's amazing. I love yeah, it. It's, it's a lot um, but so the way I'm looking at it is I'm kind of like going up by tiers, mm-hmm. you know. So I have like <laughs> kind of like my tier A guest, and then like eventually I'll get up to tier B and tier C and tier mm-hmm. D, and so I'm kind of like. I don't know. I feel like I almost have to like earn the right to be like, Hey, Dr. Meldrum, come on my podcast, you know, like that. I can't just jump to that. I, it's some weird thing I have. So I'm just, I'm working. Up to it, you know, be, you have not because he asked not, you know, <laughs> well, but that's again, true actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably shrewd to, to have some good episodes behind you. To, exactly. To, yep. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, you know, setting aside this, all this crazy Nephilim stuff and looking Mm. at the hard science behind uh, what it means to be in the genus Homo. Uh, We've got at this point, a dozen different members of the genus Homo that are preferentially bipedal, meaning whether or not they can be on their knuckles for moving around clearly Mm prefer to be on two feet uh and jeff again jeff meldrum a lot of this comes back to him he's written some incredible papers and i've spent quite a few hours digging and chipping and and clawing Mm. my way through the technical terminology of his papers and everything but at the end of the day 
you know, he's, he and a lot of others have done some incredible work to show the morphological transition in the feet, the legs, the hips, the whole body uh, between what it means to be a chimpanzee and what it means to be us. You know, we've got I, this yeah. used metatarsal in the middle of our foot that gives us an arch. Uh, and so when you look at all this science, clearly what it means to be human is not just a cut and dry matter. And I think that's really threatening for a lot of Christians. I think a lot of Christians look at this whole Sasquatch issue uh, and they are kind of dragging in mm -hmm. the decades, century old debate of the missing link, right? And so they use this kind of religious dogmatic initial reaction to try to protect their beliefs and protect their world and they push it away. Um, but I really don't think you need to. Um, I think that what it means to be human is still a very sacred and very spiritual thing. And, uh, you know, I've got friends who claim to have done mind speak with Bigfoots, right? Wow. Yeah. That... Sure that they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's a totally like, that's, that's a, a cold conversation in itself. Like mind speak with, uh, with Sasquatch. Uh, that's yeah that's very interesting that's down in georgia those friends or the the friend that i have who is uh i'll i'll leave her name out of it just because yep, I that's fine explicitly asked her if it's okay yes. um you know she's she and this is what's interesting is a lot of what she says also syncs up with what melba ketchum says about how these things mm -hmm. are spiritual you know they're 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 not animals they've got language they've got a religious they've got a spiritual worldview not a religious but a spiritual worldview um and you know she my friend talks about how they have a very different relationship with the material world than us that their kind of afterlife experience is very different than ours um, that's very interesting to think about. I've never contemplated that before. That would be a totally new uh, conversation there. Like their, ap so, uh, their afterlife. So wait, let's, let's hover here for a minute, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, what totally. Orbs, right? So what do you think about orbs, these light orbs, these light spheres? Oh, okay, so this is the, here's the weird thing. So when I talk to, I interview different people you definitely start to see um, similarities in the stories and you can almost guess there's going to be an orb talked about coming up and it, it's like every time. And I I've said this in other episodes. Um, one of my favorite stories so far is the Rick Rellis episode I've had where he's talking about being in backbone state park in Northeast Iowa. And yeah. um, I love this because he's like, they're in the park and they're looking ahead and they see a few orbs and they're like, those orbs are fantastic. And then they hear something behind them and there's a squatch in the middle of the trail, almost controlling the orbs, which totally blew right. my mind. Cause I've never heard a story like that. And like, that's one of the right. most favorite stories I've had that's come out of this podcast so far, but yeah, definitely that comes up all the time. The whole orb, there's a connection there for real. Right. And, and you know, her, her belief and her, you know, what she's conveyed to me is that these are disembodied spirits of previously mm. deceased Bigfoots. 
Oh. And what's interesting is that that's what a lot, that's what at least a lot, I don't know about the majority because I'm not an expert on Native American uh, folklore regarding okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, but, but I've heard it a lot, like many, many, many times, is that the, uh, the mythos, the worldview of a lot of First Nations peoples are that these orbs are in fact wow. um, entities that have passed on uh, that are okay. that were previously these guardian spirits. Um, but the other interesting thing that she brought up is that there are there's a kind of a spectrum of participation that these hmm. people have in the supernatural world that is available to them by birthright. And her perspective is that she says that she's received directly by mind speak and everything. And keep in mind, the reason why I'm not sure that she's wrong is because when I met her, she showed me a binder this thick of pictures of Sasquatch on her property. And I started flipping through them and I went, this is buck like you wild. can, you can see the Sasquatch or like, these aren't blob squatches. These are like really clear. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Blob squatches. Some of them yeah. are like, holy crap. You know, either wow. this woman has dedicated a tremendous amount of time and effort to mm -hmm. putting her husband in a mask in the woods and taking pictures or this is oh, real. Yeah. I've, gone and, I've <laughs> right. gone and stayed with her. And I've spent okay. time around her and I, I have not seen any sign of, you know, mental illness or deceitfulness sure. on her. She's an incredibly sure. kind and wholesome and honest person. And so that's, that's what's so wild is that, you know, for me, again, you know, I've got ADD, so I'm, I apologize. I'm jumping through topics like, but um, if I've had prophetic experiences that I did not really see coming or ask for uh mm -hmm. and i have been in locations where people have done wicca and have invoked a lot of spirits and gotten the place good and churned up and have right. seen objects fly across the room i've oh, seen boy. physically affected by demonic entities i've been in the presence of them and this is not like, oh, I feel weirded out. Like, I, I could tell you with the certainty with which I'm either in the room with a gorilla or not that mm -hmm. I was in the room with demonic entities. So, Well, I believe you 100% because if you look at um, different things that happen in the New Testament, I mean, that stuff is real. And yeah. you got to be aware of it. And like, man, you got to be careful. Like you know, messing around with stuff. Cause like that stuff is real. People don't understand. This isn't just movie stuff. Like this is real life and it can affect yeah. you and your family. You know, like it's, it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference between me and people who pursue uh, a much more new agey and or explicitly Wiccan path mm -hmm. is this belief about the nature of the entities that they're interacting with. You know, they and I, have the same level of certainty that these entities exist. I, I don't believe that it's wise to bargain with them and that no. they are uh, purely benevolent. And I've seen evidence of that. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've, uh, when I was exercising a building with a friend, uh, two friends, when we got to the very end of the building and we had corralled everything out to the end, 
he got physically affected by this demon and suddenly all of his hearing was almost completely gone. He said it was like wow. cotton swabs and mix it mm -hmm. with wax and yep. jammed it down his ear canals and he was fully, fully nauseated. And so he was double over. And what's wild is when this happened, I, it wasn't weird to me. It wasn't scary to me. And that's not a, a sign of how, you know, I'm so cool or whatever. But in that moment, uh, I also just very clearly felt the presence of God and very clearly mm. felt God was letting this happen for a reason. And so all That's of these very interesting. natural experiences that I've had have only confirmed to me that, that the God that I believe in is real and is near me and everything. And I, you know, I've asked myself that question a few times, uh, you know, when I met this friend, uh, who lives a few hours away also in the Southeast. And I stayed with okay. her when I met her and I talked to her for a while. And then I went to stay with her. When I went to stay with her, she said, yeah, when I first met you, I like, I saw this gold aura around you. you you've got oh, a very boy. Strong yeah. Aura. And so oh, I was like, wow. well, I mean, I, wow. I, I can believe that, you know, without being egotistical or anything, I've, I've, I've bumped up against the supernatural a lot of times. And so mm -hmm. part of me wonders if that isn't part of why I haven't had more success in the Sasquatch area. You know, it's just kind of one of those weird mm -hmm. ideas. Okay. Yeah. I can see how you're, you're tying it together. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, Cause I know a lot of people wow. who say that they run into them and then suddenly they see them more and more and more and more. And the skeptic, the cynic would say, oh, well, sure. If you're going to lie once, you're going to lie a whole bunch of times. But to <laughs> me, that makes complete sense. If you, once you've seen one, you've kind of broken through the shell, right? And there's, there's the, the gig is up. There's no problem with them letting you see them more, right? Okay. So I want to, I want to touch on something. So you think that, so once you see one, then your eyes are going to be, um, it's kind of like when you get a car and then you notice that car everywhere else. You think it's kind of like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, look at all those Volvos. Well, because I own a Volvo now. Or do you think they're opening your eyes to themselves? I don't know. Could go a different way. I, I think that to a certain degree, if these things are capable of a certain level of supernatural connection, call it quantum connection hmm. to the world around us that we don't have, then it makes sense that once you have seen them once, you are no longer in the category of human beings that need to be prevented from seeing them. And again, you know, wow. I'm, I'm probably just going to reference what my friend told me a, a million times in this interview because she's got much more concrete and interesting opinions about this stuff than me. I say opinion, not in a condescending or demeaning way. Right, exactly. Yeah. This is what she's told me. Um, you know, her, her statements have been that these things have rules that they uh, generally abide by. Uh, now, there are clans of them that do not. Uh, there are clans of them that are, you know, the equivalent of evil or bad. They're the minority. Uh, I, can, I can be on board with that, yeah. Right, <laughs> which yep. makes sense because you've yep. got so many accounts of mm -hmm. children and injured adults being yes. returned to their families and being returned to 
the path that they wandered from by these things. And then you've got, uh, you know, places like uh, Mount St. Helens pre-explosion. No Native American guide would take a white person up there. They would say, you're crazy. The the hairy cannibals live up there. We don't go up there. Uh, So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that if these things are real, and I do believe that they're real, I'm utterly convinced on the evidence of Jeff Meldrum alone, this whole metatarsal ridge thing, that there is a bipedal creature in North America that is leaving prints that clearly lack a mid-tarsal arch that clearly exhibit mid-tarsal flexion, meaning that the that, that joint in our hand right here in the center that flexes and the foot is fused, you can see the, the pressure ridge of sand that's being pushed up by the mm. front half of the foot being in contact with the ground when the back half of the foot lifts up and the foot pushes back. Um, and you can see that uh, pressure ridge in muddy footprints that have been petrified that are one in 200,000 years old in Africa from other hominids. So oh, okay. it's, not, yeah. it's not like this is, you know, selectively interpreting sparse and narrow data, right? This is pretty much ubiquitous uh, across the footprints that we have of Sasquatch. It's true of all of these extremely ancient footprints that we have that are petrified. Clearly, this is a scientifically verifiable morphological trait in a pre-homo sapien hominid. Um, So there's something out there making them, right? There's something out there making it, yeah. It's not just a random bunch of dudes traveling around the U.S. with fake feet. There's no way. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you've got so many people with firsthand accounts mm-hmm. of direct mind speak who don't show any other sign of mental illness anywhere sure. in their life, don't yep. show any other sign of a lack of integrity or a lack of trustworthiness. These are people with PhDs, people who are professional law enforcement, exactly. county, state, federal level. So for me to dismiss all of that out of hand because it's weird, I really can't do that because when I was 18, I showed up at a prophetic equipping conference at at a church that I did some research on. And I went, you know, the people here seem to be cool. Uh, They're not doing the whole Benny Hinn thing where they take off their jacket (laughs) and slap people with it. And it's clearly just, just a cluster of, uh, of, uh, sensationalism and deceitfulness in my right i haven't heard that name for years yeah it's been a long time have you seen his uh his walking it back uh speech that he gave on his show where he basically said i'm not gonna do that anymore (laughs) oh really oh okay i'll have to look into that this is very interesting it is Um, it's a great thing to listen to okay but anyway i showed up at this conference and uh i pull out my pen my notepad because I'm mm-hmm. a Presbyterian and what you're used to is being preached at for an hour at a time and downloading intellectual information about God. Right. And so I show up and they say, okay, put away your pen and pencil. Uh, there's, there's no method here. Method is witchcraft and that's not what we're doing. This is just you talking to God. So let's all oh, just wow. get up and find somebody and uh, talk to them and say, Hey God, 
if you want to say anything to this person through me, go for it. I'm available, right? And that's a little more glib, a little more succinct than they said it, but that's the force of it. So it's kind of similar to like speaking in tongues with Pentecostal in a way, or uh, yeah. So that's the other thing. Yeah, I up at this, and I'll I'll make this really quick. I okay. show up at the church. I'm standing in the back of the church, and at the end of the service, they say, "Okay, everybody, stand up and hold hands." So all 100 people in the church hold hands. Okay. And at one point, somebody says, "Lord, if there's anybody who needs to pray in a tongue or, or prophesy or receive any spiritual gift, let them whatever." And when they said that, I started feeling this something in the pit of my stomach. And they, mm. they kept praying. They were, they were praying about like the president of the United States or something by the time this happened. But it started when they prayed about that. And suddenly I felt it was like when you take one of those hand pumps and you crank it and you can hear the water coming up. Gotcha. Yep. That, uh, that sympathetic, uh, that sound wave getting shorter and shorter. I yep. could tell something was about to come out of my mouth. And I went okay, I'm in church. So, uh, okay. All right. I'll let this out. And I just started boom. Wow. Full speed speaking in this other language that I, I had tried to fake speaking in a tongue before because I've mm -hmm. heard other people say, Oh yeah, I could pray in a tongue. And they went, right. Like, yeah. That's the thing, right? It, that's when that's people try to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. not pregnant that's just making right. gibberish right exactly because i was not repeating phonemes i was making lots of different sounds sounds that i had never made when i tried to fake it and it was mm -hmm. clearly just flowing out of me at a speed that i was not responsible for so i slapped my hands of a uh, hand over my mouth because again i'm a good presbyterian kid that doesn't <laughs> leave the home still does anything wild right <laughs> And over time, I was able to kind of ease that anxiety and lean mm. into it. So that happened uh, at one point. And then later, a few years later, I go to this prophetic equipping conference. This guy walks up to me and we meet up and we, we say, okay, we'll be partners. And so he prays over me and he says a bunch of stuff that is very accurate and very relevant, and very encouraging. And I go, eh, whatever, every guy my age. <laughs> So, of course, he's telling me things about working with youth and stuff, blah, blah, blah. Really great attitude for showing up at a prophetic equipping conference, right? Um, and then I look at him, and I just, boom. I mean, the moment I look at him, and I kind of say, all right, Lord, what do you want to tell me? I see this clear image of this kid who has been put in timeout by his mom. And okay. left. She's forgotten. And then I clearly see a student sitting in a desk at detention and he's looking up at the clock and I don't know what time it is on the clock, but the point is as he's looking at the clock, he knows he's been forgotten and left mm. and no one is coming. And then I'm like, okay, I, uh, anything else? Santa Barbara, California. And I went, you know, Lord, I've really put myself so out. Just randomly Santa Barbara, California. Santa Barbara, California. Wow. Like, I've gone out on a limb here. This is embarrassing. This is like, I'm vulnerable here. If you could do me a favor and not just like allow mental salad to go flowing through my brain, <laughs> I'm trying to do prophecy. And I immediately knew that I just needed to tell him what I heard. So I told him, and when I said Santa Barbara, California, he literally 
stumbled backwards a little bit yeah. and I saw kind of the blood begin to drain from his face. And I should point out to you, this guy had a thick cowboy mustache, plaid okay. shirt, belt buckle, Wrangler jeans, cowboy boots, everything about this man screamed Texas. So if I'm going to yeah, right. come up with any kind of human level connection, it's going to be San Antonio. <laughs> to try to, <laughs> it's Santa Barbara, California. It's nothing to do with anything about this man. So he stumbles backwards and I said, uh, does that mean anything to you? And he goes, I, uh, I spent years in prison in Santa Barbara, California. I've oh, got to go. And he turns around and runs no away. Way. Okay, bye. Dude. Okay. And that happened five more times where I had that weekend in the space of the next 72 hours where I stopped and I looked at a person and I said, Lord, what do you want me to tell them? And the craziest one is there's, there was this cryptographic hash key on it where I looked at this girl and I said, all right, I, I see this um, stream with a current flowing in it. And there's like a path within the current. And I see this wave like from the ocean, like finding Nemo. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not, I, and I have, no idea what any of this means. And I'm thinking, why the hell am I thinking about a Disney film right. when I'm in the middle of trying to tell this woman what I think God is telling me? So I tell her this and I say, I see the stream, current, path. I see a wave and she cuts me off and says, like finding me. I see a, a wave from the oh, ocean. Oh, wow. No way. Like finding Nemo. I'm like, Yes, very much like Finding Nemo. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that was happening all over. Wow. So um, the, the force of all, and I, I, don't, I don't need to get into all the rest of it, but the force of it is I am utterly convinced that when, that God is real, and for other reasons besides that, I've seen other miraculous things. Mm -hmm. But my point is, is that the phenomenon of mind is in the Bible. I don't know what you would call prophetic words or prophetic utterances, if not mind speak. It's God speaking mm. directly to the mind. Um, that, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So from a, from a Christian metaphysics point of view, if you believe that God is doing this, and then you look everywhere else at all of the other miraculous events of the old and new testament and you realize that none of them are really in just abject defiance and just way off in left field aberration from nature they are in some way an object lesson which is not to say that they're not mm. real or metaphorical i think they really happen but all of the things that God is doing in all these other places are somehow metaphysically tied into the nature of reality. And he's trying to get your attention and tell you something real. I don't know why you would look at that and that at, at prophetic utterances and say, well, clearly the only way that that's real is directly between God and man, right? Because I've also heard a number of very reliable witnesses Talk about astral projection. Uh, I think that astral projection is absolutely a real thing. You know, Sinbad 
on an interview with Pete Holmes on the You Made It Weird podcast was talking yep. about when he was a young man. Did you hear that episode? I haven't heard that. I, I know that that podcast is pretty wild and crazy. So yeah, I have to check out it's, that episode though. You should. He gets into yeah. it. He talks to his dad, who's a deacon in the Baptist mm-hmm. church. Hey, dad, yep. is this real? And his dad goes, oh, that's real. You don't want to mess with it, but it's real. Wow. Well, he messed with it and he projected to his parents' house and saw no, them at the table and really? saw a particular package and saw them open the package and take a particular object out of it. And so he calls up his parents afterwards and says, are you guys sitting at the table? Did you just open a FedEx package? Did you just take this out of the package? And the dad goes, yeah, all of those things are accurate. Why? He goes, oh, crap. <laughs> you know? So that was Pete Holmes or Sinbad that did that? That was Sinbad. That was Sinbad. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That after he did that a few times, some entity grabbed a hold of him and was holding on to him, and he freaked out and was terrified. And he, he said, opened up a, a, a connection there. Exactly. He said, "Oh Lord Jesus, get me out of this, and I'll never do it again." <laughs> yeah, and no, no thanks. Yeah. Never do it again. But what's wild is I have two other friends who mm-hmm. I know personally, one of whom has astral projected a, a number of times and has had that experience with seeing shadow these extra dimensional entities in the room with him it was terrifying oh wow yeah guy's got no mental health problems he's not a liar mm-hmm. he's a man of utter and absolute integrity um he always plays a paladin in D. <laughs> of course um, of course he would yeah that's awesome and I have another friend who's found stick structures on his property and around the area. I, I live along the Savannah River. And, okay. Uh, and I have both found stick structures around the Savannah River. And oh, he was wow. talking about how his dad, nobody taught him to do this. Nobody uh, let him. He just, he could just astral project just doing it. Uh, and he was doing mm. it uh, through his 20s and 30s and 40s. And when he was a little bit older, he said that one time he just went a lot farther than he had ever gone before. And he said it was terrifying because he suddenly realized, I'm not 100% sure that if if I go any further, I'll be able to find my way back back to my body. And so he never did it again. This guy was a Christian. You know, this Mm -hmm. this is a guy who's dabbling in, in witchcraft or Wicca or, you know, new agey kind of methods or anything. Um. I think it's just the fabric of reality and what it means to be a human being and to be tapped into the metaphysical world around us is a lot weirder than most modern American, modern American, Christian or not, would. It is. Yeah, it's because we're so distracted by um, the the phone, the the TV, whatever we we totally don't see any of that stuff going on. We don't even think to, to look up and and notice. And yeah, I mean myself personally, like um, I'm, I'm very, very careful about what I, you know, um, associate with just because as you said, like the Sinbad, um, he opened up that door and then he had to deal with the, you know, maybe things, coming into his life, things coming home. But that's, that's a personal thing for me, right? That's just something that I've, I've decided for myself, but yeah, it's crazy. The stuff that's out there. If you open your eyes, right. It's nuts. 
and uh, so many people that I have heard who talk about the mind speak aspect, once they open that door, there's a mm. very high likelihood that they're going to talk about Sasquatch as teachers, as really? guardians and protectors. And my friend has had multiple instances where she has been protected by the Sasquatch people that oh, wow. uh, live either near her or portal in and everything. That's the other thing. So here's, here, let me just kind of pivot from her for a second. I was mm -hmm. speaking to a guy named Bob at a Bigfoot conference. This man has been a sheriff. Most a guy life. named Bob at a Bigfoot conference? It's not Bob Gimlin, yeah. is it? <laughs> I'm just not, kidding. Not. Okay. Uh, but I talked to this guy for a long time, long okay. enough to get a very good sense of him, very good sense of his character. Clearly, the man doesn't have screws loose or anything. And mm -hmm. he was talking to me about how he and a number of other people had been doing these regular expeditions into an area where there was a lot of activity. But one wow. of the guys, walked into a portal because he was walking along and suddenly and it's just no boom, he's in it. Group, he's wow. just gone. No one oh, else in the group sees this guy and he's six to eight to 10 feet away from the other people. It's not like he's obscured by brush. The brush was not eight, 10 feet high. There wasn't anything to obscure him. And he said, I couldn't see anybody else in the group either. And Clearly, I was in a different place. I was Whoa. not seeing the same woods that I had been seeing. So I froze. I backed up in a straight line. And then everybody could see him again. Really? So I don't know what that is other than some sort of portal, you know, some sort of fold in time and space. And I can't tell you how many people have talked about this whole portal thing, right? So the idea that Sasquatch can portal and teleport and whatever, um, as a Christian who believes in the supernatural, who believes mm -hmm. in angels, who believes that, you know, Philip, when he was walking to Macedonia, suddenly was in Macedonia, which was like on the other side of Asia Minor or whatever. Exactly, um, yep. There's just no way you you don't get dope you don't get drowsy and suddenly walk <laughs> five hundred miles. Yeah. Um. So uh, the idea that someone who is even very religiously conservative needs to have a problem with the supernatural aspect of Bigfoot, I just that that's one of the things that's one of the burrs under my saddle. Is you know, guys, if you're going to believe in God and angels and demons and everything, let's get weird, man. Let's roll yeah, up our wow. Movies. That's that's interesting. That is very interesting. Let's um, saying, yeah. So I can tell. Obviously, you're a very intellectual guy. So I had a question for you. Um, let's say, uh, well, what are the what are like the top five or top three? Um, Bigfoot type books that you, you recommend when let's say someone comes up to you like, Hey, what do I read? It, it, I can tell you've read a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I, you know, I would say that Jeff, this is a really short read, uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Meldrum paper that he submitted to peer review and was 
published by the Smithsonian Institute on the okay. Patterson-Gimlin trackway is a fantastic paper to read. That mm. one he geared specifically to be a more accessible to non uh, PhDs because, I, like I said, I, I had to crack out, uh, crack open Wikipedia, and look right. for a number of definitions. But for the most part, it's pretty readable, and it will give you a very, very clear, scientifically grounded argument for okay. why and how people who are intellectually and scientifically rigorous believe that these are real creatures. Um, Tom Powell's book was really great. I loved it. Um, okay. I really, really loved his book. Um, I'm trying to think. I've read so many, and I, I wasn't I wasn't anticipating that question. So, um, gosh, that is tough. Lauren Coleman's book was really good. Um, I've read so many; it's hard to keep all the titles straight. Um, I know there's a, there's a lot of them, definitely. You know, for me. Honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of these books are fantastic. And I'm mm -hmm. so grateful that these authors have spent this time to put this material together and write these books. But for me, a lot of the reading material that I am so grateful that I spent literally at this point, probably shamefully thousands of hours reading, is all the different databases, the BFRO.net database. Yes. Yep. Um, Oregon Sasquatch, the gal that wrote um, Enoch, um, and that's its own weird little um, uh, rabbit trail of its own. Mm -hmm. But uh, she's got a database, and I, I've I've read through the entire contents of about a handful of databases oh, wow. in order to try to really soak up as much direct, at the highest volume, most direct narrative experience of the common person what does it mean for your average person to bump into a sasquatch because mm. let's face it, most of the people are hearing or they're hearing whack or they're hearing the, you know, sort of howl or screech yep. most yep. people aren't seeing it but to me you know i, I went up to mount pisgah pisgah national forest recently and i asked three different people have you seen any Sasquatch around here? All three of them told me I haven't seen one, but I've seen evidence of them. One wow. guy who was the owner of the property told me of a creek on a ridge uh, behind the place where we were staying, where he regularly finds footprints oh, this man. in the sand. No and way. then the young man who his family had moved into one of this guy's, this guy owns a handful of properties along the valley. This guy, this kid was telling me about how he moved in and he was alone at the house. The power goes out, which is kind of coincidental. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he heard this scream coming from up the valley. And he said, the first thing that my brain told me was, you have never heard this before. This is nothing wow. like anything you've ever heard before. And it was so powerful and loud and what's wild is after that he was sitting in in the room and he just suddenly his brain told him whatever do not turn your head do not look at the window do not look no over way there. Do not look over there so i think that one of these things walked up to the building and looked in because they had only been in there for a couple of days and it was basically going okay who just moved into my valley yeah, who are yeah sure 
Um, and again, that's, that's, that's tale as old as time. There's so many people that report this behavior of them exactly. kind of getting a little brazen when there's a window between the two of you and they walk up to the edge of it and stare at you for a moment and then walk away. Oh, um, anyway, so the number, the volume for me of accounts that I've read outweighs even these books that I've read. Uh, but again, I, I would definitely recommend Tom Powell's book. You know, he's somebody who, like me, is very, very steeped in the scientific, well, he, for him, he's steeped in the scientific tradition, right? Whereas I would say that I'm probably more steeped in the religious tradition. Um, but both of us have this community around us telling us, oh, no, 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 you, you just, you can't respect yourself, respect to be yeah. respected by others. Yeah, exactly. Take- which, you know, there's just some oppositional defiant part of me, like Tom, that goes, you know, you know, I'm going <laughs> to think I should take it seriously. So follow-up question to the um, the book question. So um, not that I have actually like spent the man hours to try to look into this, but maybe you have because of what we've talked about so far. Have you ever found any books or things where it's like they tie together like the Bigfoot or cryptids to like the religious stuff that we've been talking about. Any of any things like that exist out there in the print world that you've stumbled upon, or maybe it's something that needs to be created. You know, uh, I, I did. I found a gentleman who uh, wrote a book that is very difficult to get your hands on because it's out mm. of print where he tried to go through the Bible and basically say places where they're talking about weird things having to do with giants. They're really talking about Bigfoot. I oh, can't wow. say I found his argument to be totally compelling. Uh, like mm-hmm. I said, again, I've, I've studied the Nephilim thing. I've gone to the original text and looked at the Hebrew and trying to figure out what they're talking about. And from what I can understand, they're talking about descendants of angels for us. What we're talking about with Bigfoot is, from what I can tell, the North American Bigfoot, as opposed to the hominids in South Africa that, I forgot the guy's name, but he's an elephant and lion researcher. He's seen them a handful of times, and he has other people in his oh, really? personal circle cool. and contact who have seen them. Um, yeah, there, so that's the crazy thing, right? Is there's hominids in South Africa. There's hominids in Indonesia, there's hominid yep. in the Southeastern Asian Peninsula. There's exactly. so many accounts of uh, GIs coming back from Vietnam. The rock like apes. One, one yep. that are, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a rock ape. I read one account of a helicopter pilot who talked about coming over a ridge. And there's just this six foot tall ape man in the top man. of the tree, in full view, clearly doing the chimp thing of a physical display where it's just wow. tree back and forth trying to scare off a helicopter. Um, and then you've got them all up and down Eurasia. And again, what's wild is clearly there is this distinct subspecies in Eurasia that is not Sasquatch in North America or mm-hmm. the, I think the same thing or a similar thing in North America is what's down in South Africa. Because in South Africa, those things get up to above seven feet tall. Okay. Uh, and we're talking about the same 
uh, genetic set of mm. the same set of genes that allowed a descendant of you know apes to bulk up to a size that uh, is able to cope with the swing in temperature. Um, sure. And again, to me, that's one of the most mind-blowing things that people poo-poo the idea of Bigfoot. And you go, do you know what a dire beaver is? It's a beaver the size of a Volkswagen. <laughs> right. People forget that stuff used to be super big. Right. I don't know why and people like, yeah, yeah. Every, every, and when I say every, I mean every species of mammal mm-hmm. that we know of has a branch of its uh, you know, zoological tree that optimized to overcome seriously frigid conditions. And so yep. they got big because that's the only thing nature can do, right? The sure, bigger sure. you are, it, it shifts the ratio. As you get bigger, your surface area to volume ratio shifts. And suddenly you've got way more volume than surface area, which means you're not losing as much of your general uh, metabolic work that you've done to warm up your body out your skin. And so you're able to regulate your body temperature. That's why everything gets huge when the poles shift and the Mm. ice age happens is you've got to get big or die. So of course they're scientifically speaking in order to say there's no such thing as a hominid that weighs 800 pounds, and that's an absurd idea, that's a foolish statement to make. It's a scientifically, empirically stupid thing to say. The only question is, are they still around, right? And uh, right. It, it boggles my mind that people get about the idea that they're not still around. So let me ask you that. You've, done, you're, you've been into this for a long time. Why do you think that there is not a type specimen of Bigfoot that we have. And can I grab my yeah, charger? That's, that die. is tough. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let me grab my charger. I'll be right back. Um, hmm. So I would say, actually, I'll, I'll wait for you to get back. But um, I can still hear you. Oh, you can. Oh, you're good, good. You're good. So I've heard a few different things about this. Sometimes, well, you've got the things where... Um, Bones in the woods uh, decompose pretty quickly in certain environments. Um, you've also got re- people that think that other Bigfoots um, will take care of the ones that have passed away in a way. Um, but yeah, no, that's a really good, that's a really good, uh, you know, it reminds me of like, the the uh, story with the Mount St. Helens explosion and you know uh, supposedly people saw the Sasquatch uh, get taken away by the helicopters, but um, that's right yeah. in the net, yeah, and yeah. on trucks and stuff. I, I've heard those too, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a. I mean, that's one of the really good questions that people throw out is like where are the where are the bodies. <laughs> well, and again, I've I've heard, and this is where you get into this beats the road, right? People say, okay, you take this seriously, great. Where's the body? And then, mm-hmm. what do you believe in? Some sort of government conspiracy? And again, that's one of those statements that I'm not trying to be ugly to people who have said that to other people, but there's a certain amount of intellectual bullying, a certain amount of condescension in that statement, um, but we are absolutely 
aware of a number of different concerted, broad attempts that the United States government has made to suppress certain bits of information. So I don't understand why people find it to be laughable when you propose mm -hmm. to them that within the, you know, forget about Hydra, it's just a seething call. The, the United States bureaucratic system across all of these different government branches is buck wild, right? You, you've got yeah. different organizations stepping on each other's toes, grabbing for jurisdiction, other people pushing off responsibility onto others. From what I can tell, it doesn't take a top-down, unilateral, ubiquitous effort to pull off this Bigfoot conspiracy. All you need mm -hmm. is what the Bigfoot community already gives the United States government, which is a set of people generating um, questionable material so that you can just kind of laugh it off if anything real ever does show up. And then you just send people to scoop up the bodies and you just get, uh, you know, a little old Jewish couple watched a Bigfoot get struck and mortally wounded by a semi truck. Oh, wow. And they, they gave their full report. They, they walked over to the thing. They looked at it. They saw its face, its hands, its feet. It wasn't a bear. They knew, they knew what they were looking at. And they went, this is it. This is it. And it's finally going to come out. So they ran home and they watched the news. And nothing came on the news. Wow. That the That's crazy. Not locally, not nationally. And they said that the people that showed up that kind of took over were very much just squashing the event squashing not surprising that. yeah, yeah. So that not sort surprising. of event that's the level of conspiracy that we're talking about it's mm -hmm. not necessarily full-on men in black ufo stuff it's just anybody in any department who has a bigfoot body on their hands knows that this is going to be a nightmare for them if this yes. gets any bigger goes any farther exactly. That's the message that's been broadcast, and I, you can't deny that, right? Nobody, whether they believe in the phenomenon or not, uh, if you're just responsible and you've read into it and looked into it, clearly that is a ubiquitous psychological pressure on people who work for the government uh, is that they don't want to deal with it. And so I think that's why the issue has stayed quiet, honestly. That's, yeah, that's a very interesting take on it. I agree with that. Um, Believe it or not, we have gone crazy through the time. This has been an amazing episode. I, I love talking to you. What is it that, uh, real quick, what is it that you do? I've been trying to figure out what it, uh, yeah. what is so it? So I'm a software engineer. Okay. Uh, I was going to guess, I was like, this has got to be a computer guy because I'm a software engineer too. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just getting a real software yeah. analytic dude guy. And this is, yeah. Right. So that's awesome. I, Data, I, I love it. Right? Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Again, you um, asked what yeah. books have you read? Uh, books, psh, raw data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, data. True. yeah, yeah. Um, well, at this time, well, actually, so before we transition to the last part, um, uh, is there any? Um, hmm, so, you know how I, on podcasts they they you know hey guess plug yourself. Um, anything, sure. uh, can people, 
catch up with you in any ways? Like if they're interested in, in content you're creating or anything like that, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. If you got anything. If you look me up, I'm J Suich, J S U I C H pretty much everywhere. Facebook and Instagram, whatever. And uh, if you want, if you want to see me play D and D with some other fellow philosophy college uh, buddies, uh, you can check out the Starfall collective. Uh, Excuse me. We're on Twitch and YouTube. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, Reddit. Okay, so Starfall Definitely. Collective. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely check that out and put it in the, the show notes. That's awesome. Um, so at this time, uh, we have uh, definitely a, a Bigfoot Society after dark that's going to happen. And I have been thinking about this as we're going along. I'm like, he's going to bust out some crazy story because he's already busting out some stuff that is way crazier than anything else. So I'm excited for it. But so uh, just so the listeners know, if this is your number one episode, which would be a great number one episode, um, if you go to patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Society, uh, you can help support our podcast. Uh, for $5 a month, but you also get access to, we do an after show podcast where the guest will uh, share a scary story or some cool story, some creepy, whatever. It's kind of like you're around the campfire. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to go into that next. So at this time, we're going to say uh, bye and uh, thanks for coming on, man. And um, yeah, we'll see you next uh, week, listeners. And all right. Jeremiah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it a lot. You got it. Again, thanks to my buddy Josh uh, for hitting me up on Instagram and saying like, hey, why don't, can I come on the podcast? And I'm like, yeah, let's give it a try. And I'm finding that those are some of the most fun when you don't really know what the person's all about. I had a great episode. Thanks again for Josh to Josh for coming on. If you're wanting to come on the podcast, Send me a DM on at Bigfoot Society on Instagram, and we'll see what we can set up. But you'll never know who will show up on the podcast next. Remember, Josh does have a very cool uh, D&D video series uh, on Twitch. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, uh, did you know that you can subscribe to any uh, Twitch channel? Uh, I'm assuming that Josh does this with Starfall Collective hoping he does but if you haven't subscribed to anyone and you're an amazon prime member just go ahead look up starfall starfall collective and send that amazon prime uh, subscription their way check them out some good content again thanks for spending a few minutes of your day hanging out with me at the bigfoot society podcast I'll be ready for you next week. You'll never know who will be here. Have a good one. We wouldn't be able to make Bigfoot Society without the help of viewers like you. I know that's very PBS of me to say, but I'd like to take a minute to thank the following Patreon subscribers who give generously monthly in order to support the Bigfoot Society podcast and everything else that that entails. So thanks again to the following Patreon members. Surfetis, thank you again for your support and we'll see you next week on the Bigfoot Society podcast.